because they refused to bow down, because they would not obey the king's orders, they got thrown into the heat. But it was when it was hottest that they were closest to whom? It's when they were hottest that they were closest to the Lord, to God. I want you to open up your Bible to the book of Amos. It just so happens that I'm the Bible Bowl coach, and this next year, there's about five minor prophets we've got to memorize the books for. And Amos is one of those books, and so I couldn't resist starting to delve into the minor prophets and the golden nuggets that we find hidden there. It's not your typical daily reading material, I admit. Amos chapter 5, verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the house of of Israel. Are we of the house of Israel? Alice nods her head. Everyone's nodding their head. How? Through Christ Jesus, we are spiritual Israel, right? Abraham was promised he would have descendants as abundant as the stars, and we now understand Yes, there were lots of Israelites, but there's spiritual Israel. We are part of that. Read Romans, right? We are spiritual Israel. So this is for us. For thus says the Lord to the Walla Walla City Church. Can we read it that way? Okay, thank you. Seek me and live. Seek me and live. If you don't hear me say that at least 10 times, maybe 20 in this sermon, I have failed you. Seek me and live. Why? Why do we seek God? It's not a trick question. Why do we seek God? To? To live. We seek who to live? God. What do we do to live? Seek God. I just want to make sure you know. We seek God to live. If we don't seek God, have you ever not lived? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt like you're going through the rat wheel of life and it's meaningless? It's just a jangling of bells. It's a it's life without God is meaningless or dead. I've tried filling that void in my heart through computer games. I've built empires and cities and the longest worms, if you know what I'm talking about. I like to be number one, no matter what I play. But when I'm done, when I'm done, I find that I am tired, empty, and spiritually cold. Tired, empty, and spiritually cold. Because if I'm not seeking God and I'm looking for fulfillment and all those things out there, 
I will be left tired, empty, and spiritually cold. So I've tried playing games. Is seeking God like the game hide-and-seek? Is that what they're talking about? I hide, God finds me. Did that work for Adam? Did God find him? He knew where he was. Oh, you guys are going to have to look that one up. I don't think God found him, but God called him, and he responded, right? God called him. Is seeking God like earning God's favor, like, like putting money in the spiritual bank account? I, I've tried this. I run a business, a cleaning business, nothing elaborate. I clean homes. I spend lots of time on my knees cleaning toilets. I recently had a contract that I got, and I was so excited about it because it was going to add about $2,000 a month to my income. That's a big salary jump, by the way. Even for a business person, that's still a pretty good jump, right? And I was super excited, really excited. And some things happened, and the owner came into the picture, and I didn't had, hadn't built the trust and relationship like I should have with them, and through a series of mishaps, I lost the contract. It was a very sudden thing, and I was so angry, and I was empty and void and spiritually distraught, cold. And my wife, she goes, you need to pray to God about it. Have you prayed? She, the way she asked. Well, have you talked to God about it? <laughs> well, have you asked him to help you to forgive and forget? <laughs> you know, you really should pray to God about it and stop moping around. <laughs> you must really enjoy moping. <laughs> Wives know just what to say, right? And I finally, I said, okay. Not really because I was responding to my wife's voice, but because I had that little small voice in one ear that was telling me before she ever started talking, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? That said, Jerry, you need to take it to God and just give it to him. Cast all your burdens on him because he's able he can handle it, but you can't. Speaking of myself, I can't handle it. And so I was in the car, and kind of with a tear down my cheek, I said, Lord, take it. You know, and Heidi had lots of words. You know, Look, he probably has something better in mind. There could be much better. Maybe there's, this would be the wrong thing for you. Now, so I did. And do you know, I kid you not, that moment, that moment, I had a burden lifted from my heart. That moment. And it hasn't bugged me since. Fact is, my eyes were opened after looking at the situation. I realized this wasn't going to work anyway. We had issues with Sabbath trying to work around this that was a very large winery and 
I had lots of advice about that too. You sure you should be cleaning a winery? I'm like, well, I'd clean Walmart too, even if they sell wine. There's a difference between supporting the industry and cleaning a building. I, if you need to talk with me about that afterwards, okay? <laughs> I have, since then, with my heart freed, been able to sign many contracts and lots of work, and it's working out so much more better. And that sometimes we just have to let go and let God, right? So what does it mean to seek God? Is it through games, hide-and-seek? Is it through earning God's favor? Is it, I mean, how do you try seeking God? The wise man, Solomon, so we need to go there. This is, hopefully, I hear some pages turning to Ecclesiastics, right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastics, chapter 1. Ecclesiastics, the book of Ecclesiastics, chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all. How much? All, all is vanity. Everything I have, everything I'm working for, everything that I can say Jerry Rao did, or you can put your name there, it's vanity of vanities. What profit has a man from all? All his labor, he asked. Go to verse 8. All things are full of labor. Amen. Doesn't life seem like a lot of work? Does anybody feel that way, or am I alone out there? Is this like, we just got so much going? I mean, I got to be there at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's not a burden. That'll be a joy, actually. That'll be very fulfilling, helping church family, right? But then it's got to weed the yard, and then I've... You, do you have a to-do list and it's just this ginormous list that we just keep adding to faster than we can cross it off? I used to write things down after I finished it just so I could have that glorious feeling of crossing it off. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is never satisfied with the seeing. The ear can never be fully filled with hearing you cannot be satisfied. Verse 3 of chapter 2, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with what? With wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what is good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their life. Verse 4, I made my works great. I built myself houses, planted myself vineyards, made myself gardens, orchards, planted all kinds of fruit trees. Verse 6, made myself water pools. Sounds pretty cool, actually, right? You ever wish for that summer home, the winter home, the summer home, the pool, the hot tub? By the way, most of my customers don't use their hot tubs if they have one, and the ones that don't have hot tubs want one. I've got to do something about that. I'm sure that I could work out some arrangement. When you have it, you're no longer satisfied and you want more. Or you find it's not fulfilling. Or most people that can afford it don't have the time for it. Anybody relate to that one? I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than all that were in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures. And so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem but he makes sure you know that his wisdom remained with him. Bless the psalmist. 
But seek what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33. Did we not sing that this morning? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the Lord and live. You can write this down. He gives meaning to the meaningless. He gives purpose to the pointless. He fills our empty hearts. He gives us love when our hearts grow cold. Matthew 24, 12, we don't need to turn there, but Matthew 24 says, the love of many will grow cold. Speaking of the end of time, we'll come back to that verse later. Seek me and live. We need to seek God to heat up our spiritual lives, just like the three Hebrews. When were they closest to God? When they were the hottest. In the back of your bulletin, you'll see the story. But this Monday, I was talking to one of my customers. He is a successful farmer in the valley, and he was saying, please pray that it will get to at least 80 degrees. I'd like it to get to 80 degrees today. <laughs> and the wind needs to die down. I'm like, good luck. You might get the 80 degrees, but I'm not sure you'll get below 15 miles. Anybody who remembers Monday, it was kind of a breezy day. And I'm like, what's the deal with 80 degrees? He goes, well, we have a bunch of peas that we planted, and the weeds are coming in, and this is the time. There is a window of time that we need to spray the weeds. And he says, when the temperature... Anybody here farmers? Okay, so I can talk and make a mistake, and if I say something wrong, then nobody's going to find fault with me. Okay, good. He got into some technical details, which I cannot explain to you. I would have asked the farmer to explain to me. I went on the internet and tried to search this one out. It ain't there. I couldn't. It's farmer's secret, I think, because what I found out, and Ken, you'll like this, actually, is that when somewhere between 70 and 80 degrees, the peas actually excrete a waxy-like substance. Did you know that? No. And once they've excreted that waxy-like substance, you have a couple of hours where you can spray that crop with the killer product, whatever it might be, Roundup or something like that, and it will kill all the weeds, and the peas are 100% protected, and not only do they live, they, they, they survive, they thrive, because now they're not being choked out by the weeds. It takes heat to make them excrete that wax so that they can live. I think I want to propose to you today that we need to get closer to God. We need to find a way to become spiritually heated up so that we get that critical temperature so that we can excrete some kind of a wax that protects us from the future destruction that is yet to come. What is that? What would that be? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's the armor of God. We could go to James chapter 1, verse 3. Count it all joy, my brother, when you meet various trials of heat, because it will what? It's going to produce steadfastness and strength and ability to, to survive the what? The heat. To survive the heat. That's right.
I'm going back to Amos. Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel. What's Bethel? What happened in Bethel? Well, back to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob had just pretended he was somebody he wasn't. Who did he pretend to be? Esau, I hear it. Esau, right? And he, his brother loved him because of it, right? No. He needed to escape. His mom's like, you need to go to Haran. You need to go to where my relatives are and find you a wife. That was the excuse, but he needed to get out of there because his brother was going to kill him. And so he runs. And it was 500 miles approximately that that distance that he had to travel. So that was a fair distance, right? A fair distance for him to go. 500 miles. I don't know how far he made it the first day, but the place that he made it to is now called Bethel. Okay? Why? Because that's the place where he, in exhaustion, grabbed a rock for a pillow. I've never used a rock for a pillow. Anybody here tried a rock? Maybe it would be warm for a while if the sun was on it. I don't know. But he slept on this stone, and while he was sleeping, he had a dream. And he dreamed of a ladder that went to all the way to heaven, and there was angels coming and going, and God was at the top, and God said to him, he says, I will always be there for you. Actually, he said more than that. He said more than that. I'll summarize it for you. I will bless you. I am with you, I will keep you, and I will never leave you. That's what God said. And then Jacob woke up from his dream, verse 16, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. What mistake did Jacob make right there? I know none of you think he made a mistake. What mistake did he make? Where was the Lord? Jacob says, in this place. And where was the Lord? What was Jacob doing? He was asleep. He was dreaming. Where was the Lord? The Lord knows our thoughts. He knows us. He's there with us, no matter where you are. But Jacob rose up the stone. He poured oil on it, and he says, Surely this is the house of the Lord. The house of El, meaning the house of God, Beth-El. That's where that name comes from, Bethel, okay? Meaning the house of God or the house of El. <laughs> There's your layman's ex explanation. And he was afraid. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And he rose early in the morning, took the stone that he put at his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. And he made a vow saying, if, I hate that word, God already promised it to him. So mistake number two, if God will be, me, be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I can come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord 
shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Wow, he's going to sacrifice a tenth. We tend to deify the altar rather than the sacrifice. We like to make holy the man-made. We like to make holy the location rather than the God, the creator, the one who loves us, who sacrificed for us. I want you to turn to Amos chapter 4, verse 4. What happened to Bethel? You guys ever wonder what happened to Bethel? I'm looking for it. Amos 4, 4. Come to Bethel and transgress. What? Come to Gilgal and multiply your transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, even your tithes every day, every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce freewill offerings all you want, for this is the things you love meaning you're not loving me, you're loving your sacrifices, you children of Israel. And then if you read Hosea 6.6, 6, it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Seek the Lord and live. Don't go through the motions. That's Hosea Four, four, hey, sorry, Amos 4.4. 4. Amos 5.5, 5, we were just reading that. This is after verse 4. It says, but do not seek Bethel. And I was like, well, Bethel's where he had the dream. Why wouldn't I want to seek that? Because they built a temple there, and the temple became the focus, and the whole process becomes a tired, empty, spiritually cold environment. The house of God should not become a place of vanity, of emptiness, of falsity, of futility. It should become a place of love and fellowship and warmth and heat where we draw each other closer to God. Do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba. As I read this, I find a lot of fault with these places. I had to do some research. Gilgal, anybody know where Gilgal is? Gilgal is that place where the Israelites had just crossed the Jordan River and entered the land of Canaan. We often refer to that Jordan River as, you know, that the pearly gates of heaven almost, right? And it was right after that that the manna stopped. And in the middle of the river, you guys remember what happened? Joshua says, well, God actually told him to do this. Take one stone, put it on your shoulder. These were not little pebbles. You don't stick little pebbles on your shoulder. He take the stone, put it on your shoulder, and we're going to build an altar. And there was one stone representing each tribe. So there was 12 stones in all. And they were smooth stones. Fact is, that word Gilgal means the place of round or um, circular. And they have found places that they've made that look like footprints. I mean, they 
like a huge footprint, like a camp-sized footprint, and then they have these circular things there. Interesting to read and study up on all of that. Very interesting. And guess what? They have built temples there by this time, and it was like temples of idol worship. And so it became, again, we tend to take, we tend to take the wrong focus when it comes to experiences with God and pick things and make idols out of them, pick places and make them places of worship where, where we're more sacrifice, interested in, the sacri- interested in the altar than we are in the sacrifice. I'm going to get my words right yet, Ken. Okay. Seek me and live, but not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. And Bethel shall come to nothing, verse 6, seek the Lord and live. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, so why should we seek the Lord? To live. How? How do we seek the Lord? Anybody? How shall we seek the Lord? I want you to open up backwards. Again, we have Hosea as one of those chapters, those books that the Bible Bowl team has to memorize. So just flip back a few pages, really. Hosea chapter 12, verse 6. And actually, we'll back up. He says, yes, speaking of Jacob, verse 4, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. That's another thing that happened when he, when he struggled with the angel there at Bethel. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him where? In Bethel. So there's a good side to what happens at Bethel, But God's saying, don't go to Bethel to find me. Seek me and live. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. That is, the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial. I want you to read that again. This is verse 5. What is the memorial? The Lord is his memorial. We are to make the Lord the memorial, not make the church or the sacrifices that we make the memorial, but to make the Lord the memorial. And then here it is. This is how you do it. So you, by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. How do we seek the Lord? Did you catch it? So you, by the what? By the help of your God. What does that tell me? I can't do it by my own. He's got to do it. I've got to rely on him. That's how. I have to seek him and trust him. How do I seek him? You guys remember Jonah, Micah? What comes? What's in Micah? Micah chapter 6, verse 8. You guys know the song? He has shown thee, O man, what is good and right. What is it? What does the Lord require of you? He wants you to seek him and live. Remember that, right? So what is it? 
but do justly. Does God want justice? If you go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, right now, where he says, and the love of many will grow cold, go there. I want somebody to go there right now. Please go there. Matthew 20. We miss it. We miss it. Why does the love of many grow cold? Somebody find it and read it for me. Or just tell me what it says. I know, the preacher's not supposed to ask the audience to do this. And I was thinking lawlessness. That's the word I was looking for. Because of lawlessness, their love grows cold. Does that make a difference? Have you ever seen somebody that breaks the law? Let's say that, I just can't even think of a good illustration. The one I'm thinking of is bad right now. But if a policeman breaks the law, your heart's going to go cold towards the police. Does that make sense? If if the law is broken, we tend to harden our hearts on that situation, and we seek to have compassion and mercy and love towards people that we should. God calls us to do that. Micah 6, 8 asked us to do just that, right? What does it say? But to do justly, or to do justice, but without just or law, our hearts are going to what? grow cold. Do justice, love, mercy, show compassion on people, right? And to walk how? Walk humbly with your God, folks. We've got to surrender all as we walk with him. Seek the Lord with a humbleness of heart and live with justice and mercy We're out of time. So our last verse, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow. What does it mean to sow? Like a farmer, right? Sow for yourselves what? Righteousness. The robe of righteousness. Perhaps you could see that as the waxy coating, right? that protects us from the heat to come. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in what? Mercy. Break up your fallow gown. Break up your heart. Soften it up. For it is time. It is time to seek the Lord. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. And I have text to show that this righteousness, when Jesus comes, if you aren't ready, it's going to be a dark, cold time. It's going to be a time of destruction. But if we have Christ's robe of righteousness, we can survive the heat, and that's when we will be reunited with God. That's when we will be closest to him. Now is the time to seek God and live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words, your love, your belief, your trust, your mercy, your sacrifice, and Lord, may we not deify things or places 
may we edify you in our lives and humble ourselves before you and seek the Lord and live as much